We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. That right there, that's Ryan Roberts. I'm Brian Driscoll, and we're here to talk some Notre Dame football, Ryan. And we've we've had an interesting week. We talked quarterback on Tuesday. Have to kick it off at the most important position, right? In in the position that's going to get the most conversation. And then yesterday we were going to talk about a defensive position, but then Notre Dame released their 2023 schedule, so we decided to talk about that. But we are back on track, and what we're doing, just a reminder is sort of a you know state of the program look at Notre Dame and we get, we're going kind of position by position and I think the position that I think makes the most sense to start off on defense is not the strength of the defense which was we anticipate to be cornerback potentially the defensive line but that the position that could ultimately be the most important to the team's success next year and whose improvement I should say is most important to the team's defensive team unit success next year and that's linebacker and Ryan, it was a really fascinating year when you look at linebacker play because coming into the year, that was the one position I kind of felt, along with the D-line, that you felt like, okay, I know what we're going to get. Right? Can it take that next step? That's the question. Well, it took a step all right, but it took a step back, and it ended up hurting the defense. And so now the question, Ryan, is why? And that's important to know why, because if you don't know why, you can't fix it figure out why, address it, and get this unit back on track because there's too much talent in the room and there's too much depth now with freshmen becoming sophomores and it's too important of a position in this defense to not really spend a lot of time saying, how do we get this right? Because the linebacker play doesn't get better. I'm sitting there thinking about, like, let's say Notre Dame is able to out-talent 11 of their 12 teams on their schedule next year get to the playoff. And then I'm going to have to watch this group that we saw in 2022 try to cover Brock Bowers in a, in a semifinal playoff game, right? I don't feel great about that. And then I'm also trying to stop Georgia's run game. So this group has the potential to be much better, Ryan. The question is, will it? And I think yes. that's the biggest question this offseason when it comes to linebackers. I mean, I think that it's so important to talk about the linebacker position for Notre Dame especially is because, I mean, one, inherently, kind of like what we talked about with quarterback – 
linebacker, especially middle linebacker, look, they're kind of the leadership role of a defense. You know, you help get things set. You make the calls. Usually you're the, usually the red dot. If you're talking about the NFL side of things, right? So leadership qualities at the linebacker position, especially Mike linebacker. And then what we saw from Notre Dame in 2022 is that if that is an inkling of what it's going to look like moving forward, hopefully just better is that this is a linebacker driven defense, right? Like the linebackers are going to make a lot of plays for this defense. So if that is the case where you're going to depend on your linebackers to make a lot of plays, they need to play a higher brand of football, right? And especially when you have so many smart linebacker guys on the staff, right? I mean, it has to be better than what it was Right. In 2022, and there's certainly talent there. No, question. but Ryan, that's the whole point of why we kind of. I mean, we thought there was good talent, like not elite talent. There was no Jeremiah Wusu at the position. There was no Jalen Smith, but there was no question that we expected it to be better than it was. And you look at it, and you're like, man, part of the optimism we had was, you know, JD Bertram moving to Mike. I think it's going to benefit him, and I think by the end of the year, it did I think JD Bertram was a lot better than people give him credit for last year. Not good enough, but better than people give him credit for. You know, Maris comes back. He's really athletic. You know, at the very least, he's going to be as good as he was in 2020, right? And then Jack Kaiser was steady. And But, man, the coaching and the incoming freshman class. And we saw very little of the freshman class, and the coaching was very disappointing, to say the least. Because it was like, you got Marcus Freeman, you got James Laronitis, you got Al Golden. Of course the linebacker position is going to be good. Right. And it wasn't. Yeah. Well, that's the maddening part is that, I mean, literally Marcus Freeman, and I know he's not the linebacker coach anymore, right? But he still has his hand in that position. He's, he's the certainly, head coach. And exactly. He's a, yes, exactly. And, and he certainly has hand in roster construction, right? Like those players that are now in that room over the last couple of years are because in, in large part due to Marcus Freeman, right? Like that's the players that he wanted in the room. So didn't see a ton of the younger guys, obviously. But when you have a Marcus Freeman who has made his – Lit, I mean, up to him being the head coach in Notre Dame, what had drawn everyone to him is the fact that, like, you played linebacker at a high level in college. You played at, at, in the NFL for a cup of coffee before an injury, and then you developed linebackers and were a ver- considered a very good defensive mind, which I think he really is. Al Golden, 12 months ago, was coaching in the coaching in the Super Bowl, less than 12 As months ago. As a linebacker's ago. coach. As a linebacker's right. coach. And we never even talked about this. He also played at Penn State. You don't think he was around some good linebackers when he was at Penn State as a football player? I mean, there's they've just been rolling through great linebackers at Penn State for as long as anyone can remember pretty much, right? So you have all that experience on top of the fact that you also got James Laurinaitis in as a grad assistant who is a Pro Bowl linebacker at the NFL level. All-time leading tackler for the Rams was a All-American linebacker at Ohio State. You have three guys – that know the position inside and out. And quite frankly, it needs to be better. It has to be, right? And there's no reason it can't be because I've seen Al Golden work with guys like Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt and make them good football players for the Cincinnati Bengals. I've seen Marcus Freeman in his time as a coach develop linebackers at a high level when he was at Cincinnati and then into what he did in 2021 with the linebackers here at Notre Dame, which gave you optimism coming into this year. And then not to mention that, hey, James Laurinaitis is a little bit of a wild card coming into this year because he's never really been a coach, right? But at worst, you're like, that if that guy's just a supplementary piece to helping the guy see the game a little bit better, that's three linebackers that have been there, done that, three linebacker coaches that have been there, done that. So I don't know what the disconnect was, and I know we'll talk a lot about some of the things that it could have been or some things that we think it is, but 
the point blank period. So with the baseline is that linebackers need to get a lot better in this defense. If not, you are really hindering how good the defense can be. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I, I agree. Because as you mentioned, Ryan, to your point just there, you there's not every defense needs its linebackers to be really good players. Just be smart. Just hit your gap. Just do your job. But this is a defense that is very linebacker-centered. And they do use their linebackers to attack and get downhill and do all those type of things. And they just didn't play with enough consistency and a lot, a lot of times with enough force to be effective in, in what you have to be able to do as a, as an evaluator, as a fan, whoever's going to have a comment, a public, if you're going to verbally or through a text or a tweet or some other public form, have an opinion about linebacker play, you need to know what you're talking about. And that means just because a guy is playing slow, doesn't mean he is slow. You need to be able to differentiate is this guy giving me everything he's got and he's playing hard and he's just slow. Or is this guy playing, looking slow because he doesn't know where he's supposed to go. And that's what you have to to kind of figure out and differentiate. Notre Dame did not have a speed problem at linebacker in 2022, not even close. At certain spots with Jack Kaiser, for example, Jack Kaiser doesn't get beat because he's slow. Jack Kaiser gets beat because he's short and doesn't have very good length. That's when Jack Kaiser gets beat. J.D. Bertrand doesn't have a speed problem. I'm telling you all, you it's like Drew, uh, people you say the same thing about Drew White. And then he went out and ran a 40 time faster than I think every Georgia linebacker that got drafted last year, I believe, right? Yeah. Maybe one was faster mm-hmm. than he was. He was definitely faster than Nicobe Dean. Yes. He and, was and, faster and so than it's like, well, it wasn't a speed problem. What was the problem? Drew? He wasn't long enough. He wasn't powerful at the point of attack enough. So I, I get tired of the whole speed thing being the excuse that people turn to. Nerim's mm-hmm. problem is not speed. It's not a lack of speed, a linebacker. It's, Guys that weren't playing with the necessary instincts, consistency, or or job assignment execution needed to be effective. And that combination is what got them in trouble. And if you're just going to lazily say it's speed, okay, fine. You can say that. It may make you feel better. But that's why putting Prince Colley and Jalen Steed on the field doesn't fix anything. Because the problem is there's a disconnect between what was being taught and what was happening on the field. Right. And it wasn't about speed because, hey, for all of Jalen Smith's sneak, Jalen Sneed's speed, did you watch him what, let a linebacker just run right by him up the seam in the in the bowl game? Right? I mean, 
he's fast, he's speedy, but he got beat by 15 yards by a tight end up the seam. Why? Because he didn't execute his assignment. He wasn't certain of what he was supposed to do. And that's the whole point. And so you have to be able to look as an evaluator and say, okay, is this guy giving me everything he's got? He's just slow. Or is this guy playing with hesitation? Is this guy playing with uncertainty? And the problem with Notre Dame's guys is twofold. At times, Jack and JD were playing with uncertainty. For Marist, it was never uncertainty. As Well, it was rarely uncertainty. It was more of just about he's running somewhere that he's not supposed to go. He doesn't know what he's doing. Right? No clue. Yeah. yeah. No clue. Yeah. And and there's this expression, well, if, you, if you're going to make a mistake, make it 1,000 miles an hour. No, not really at linebacker because if you hit the A gap 1,000 miles an hour and you're supposed to hit the B gap, that's a touchdown. You know what I mean? Like, And so that's the thing is it just – now, can the play, can the talent linebacker get better? Yeah, of course. I'm not saying J.D. Bertrand is Manti Teo. I'm not saying Jack Kaiser's Jeremiah Wusukor-Moore, Maris Lufaus, Jalen Smith. Not saying that. What I'm saying, however, is the talent wasn't the problem in 2022. And that's where we're going to start this show, Ryan, is because there has got to be a better job done at the coaching level of making sure that your linebackers can execute what you're asking them to do at a high level. Right. Because – I don't care if J.D. Bertrand knows your defense inside and out and can get everybody lined up and where they need to be. The reality is he wasn't able to play with the with the uh, assignment correctness enough to be the player he's capable of being. Simple fact. Well, whose fault is that? Is that his? Y'all keep telling me how smart he is, and I believe it to be true. So if he's not able to then execute, if he's supposedly a smart player that can run, and you and I know both things are true, everyone we talk to will say those two things are true. Then why isn't he playing better? And it's because there's a lot of, I don't know if he knows what he's doing here, or it looks like they're actually asking him to kind of play three different gaps on this play, depending on which way the ball goes. And a lot of, I mean, all linebackers will play two, right? You have your, if the ball's run at you gap, and if the ball's run away from you gap, right? I mean, that's pretty much the truth. But it just seems like they put a lot more on their plates, which is what you ask NFL linebackers to do. And that's the thing that's got to get corrected. So to me, until they fix the coaching disconnect, the fundamental disconnect, then I don't think that we're going to see a whole lot change other than just they have a little bit more firm grasp of the defense. Mm -hmm. That's it. Now, that's going to result in somewhat better play, but not better enough for this team to go compete for championship, which is ultimately the standard Every position group needs to be held to. Is this group good enough to go compete for a championship at a coaching player level? You know, or or should I say, is it good enough to be part of a championship team unit is a better way of saying it. And that's where the disconnect is here, Ryan, with the linebackers is they're, they're not, they don't play anywhere close and the coaches didn't do anything about making those changes. And so there's a, you've created a sense of there's no accountability at the position either. There's no yeah. accountability for Maris to play as bad as he did. He never sat. He never sat. So if you're a young linebacker, you're like, well, I mean, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Yeah. That guy screws up every game, and he keeps playing. And I don't play. And that's not the kind of culture you want to create. And so to me, we can talk all we want about this player, that player, the other player, and we'll get into that. But until that changes, Ryan, I, I, I don't – until you just get more instinctive players, which they just recruited and they had in the freshman class, I don't yeah. know how much of this changes, Ryan. I, I really don't. 
it's it's maddening, isn't it? Because you saw two different cases with the three starting linebackers this year of, like you said, you have J.D. Bertrand and Jack Kaiser that are, look, there's always overcompensating traits for players that are lacking something, right? Those players both lack length. I think we agree with that. And I know you just said it, so I know you agree with me that they don't have the biggest tackle radiuses. They can't play outside their frame a ton. They don't have the range from just body perspectives, right? For players like that, you need to have an overcompensating trait, and usually it's instincts. Like I think of James Laurinaitis, Brian, a guy that we just talked about, right? James Laurinaitis was not the most athletic linebacker of all time, but he was always in the right spot. Like that just That's why he was a good football player, you know? So for guys like James Freeman. Exactly. Marcus Freeman was not an elite athlete at linebacker at Ohio State, but he had over 100 tackles his last year because he was really smart, knew where to go. Yep. And, and he was for, a good athlete. He was a good yeah, athlete. Good overall athlete. But, I mean, for J.D. and Jack, they need to understand where they are on the football field at all times because that will that will overcompensate for the lack of length. And they, But then you look at Maris Loifa, who's the complete opposite, right? Like he can make some plays at times where you're just like, that guy just made that play because he is long and he is explosive. Like, that's why he made that right. play. Didn't read the play well. And if he did read the play well, he'd probably be a darn good football player. But he's what he is because he's not instinctive at right. all. Where's the disconnect, right? Because you're telling me, and you covered him coming out of high school. I pretty I remember J.D. Bertrand was thought of as a smart player coming out of yeah. the state of Georgia, right? Like, that was kind of his thing. Jack Kaiser, I know, was a small school kid, but I think that he had that – instinctual Jack's kind a good of athlete. Yeah. Right. He's not Jeremiah Wusu Koromo explosive, right. but he's a good athlete. Yeah. Right. So what's the disconnect with understanding what is expected of you on the football field? Because for everyone out there, and I will say this, you know, I, I love the linebacker position. I do. Because what people don't understand is that it isn't just about the length and the speed, right? You're seeing the linebacker position, honestly, at the NFL level get a little smaller now, right? Like the Devin Whites of the world as the six-foot linebackers are becoming more and more out there. And it's not because length and size doesn't matter. It's because instinctual ability on the second level is so important because the one thing, if I'm a safety or a nickel at times, right, if I see something a little bit slower, I still have time to react because I'm off and I have a little bit more space to work with. So as long as I'm, I'm a, if I'm a really good athlete, I can still make up that ground because I have time to to process. When you're at linebacker, you're four, you know, your heels are four four yards off the ball, maybe five. You're playing heels at four or heels at five, and if you have a bad read, plays over with, man. That guy's going to break the second level, and you look stupid at that point, right? So. Instincts, instincts are so important on the second level because you don't have time to read. You don't have time to read, miss, misread, and then read again, right? Like you need right. to make a good read and get downhill and make the play that you need to make. It's a quick, right. quick, quick position. And if you don't have that, you're dead in the water. So my question is, and to your point, Brian, what's the disconnect between understanding what is expected of you on the field? Because until you see the game fast, you can't play fast. And right now. I don't think the linebackers are seeing the game fast, and they certainly aren't playing fast consistently. I think when you look at a guy like Devin White, you mentioned he's four, he's six foot, right? If you can run, you can get over, you can get away with certain things. But he also has very long arms, and I think that's something that people need to to understand is there's a difference between being tall and being long, and height matters at, on certain plays, but not most. If you're long, so you look at him, he's got at least a two inch uh, advantage 
on his arm on each arm over Drew White, for example, who had barely 30 inch arms. Devin White's over 32. But then you look at a guy like Maris Lufau, really long, really fast, really explosive, not a good football player right now. Yep. And and so it, it just it gets down to where like, okay, then why are you asking him to do those things? Mm-hmm. That's the other part. Is his if you're gonna play him, right? Because here's at some point in time, you just stop blaming Marist. And you're yep. like, dude, you're putting him out there. You you're you this is on you. You're putting him out there week after week after week. And for the with the exception of like a little two, three game stretch in no, uh, October, November, he was the same guy every week. He was the same guy making the same mistakes in the bowl game he's been making all year. Whose fault is that? Because here's one of two things is happening. Either A, he's not listening to you and just doing what he wants to do, which should result in him being benched. Or B, you're not doing a good enough job of getting him to execute the things in games that he he, he must do in practice. I, I can't think of another reason to justify playing him at this point in time. So whose fault is that? Again, it comes down to it's a coaching problem. Either A, he's not doing what he needs to do and you just decide not to make it, not to do anything about it. Or B, you're just, you're, you're, the reason he's doing that. And, right. and so until that, until that's what I say, until that gets to fixed, all this other stuff that we're going to talk about with the players doesn't matter. You can, you can tell me, like I've had somebody who, who I banned, you know, was talking about, well, you just get these guys out of here and you get to get and put these other guys in. And it's like, what does that fix? If seniors couldn't execute the defense, you're telling me that a bunch of freshmen will. Right. Right. And, and so again, because the problem is not just the players. And and that's that's what drives me nuts about fans sometimes is you automatically just go, well, the player sucks, bench him. <laughs> no, it's not always the case. There Sometimes it's the player doesn't suck, but A, he's inexperienced, or B, he's not being put in position to be successful. He's not being asked to do the things that make him a good player. If Keenan, if Keenan Reynolds, if you recruit Keenan Reynolds into your offense and you say, hey, I'm going to run the same offense with you that I recruited with, that I did with Jimmy Clausen, guess what? He's not going to be very good. But is, that a, is that a Keenan Reynolds problem or are you as an offensive coach problem, right? No, I'm going to put him in an offense that says this kid is a freaky athlete and I'm going to let him go run this type of offense that allows the quarterback to run. You know, like when when uh, Al Borges was trying to turn Denard Robinson into a pocket passer, and then they'd get frustrated that he wasn't more effective. Hey, that was not a Denard Robinson problem. That was an Al Borges problem. Do you remember Khalil Tate? Khalil Tate oh, in yeah. Arizona was another one, dude. Yeah. He was a dynamic runner. And then all of a sudden they're like, you know what? You're a pocket quarterback now. Yes. You're not allowed to run. Like Yes. And guess what? All of a sudden he wasn't good anymore. And so my point is, is, is it's a very lazy thing to do to just assume. Sometimes it is a guy's not good enough. Sometimes that's true. That's fine. The right guard at last year for Notre Dame just wasn't very good. You know, it, it's okay to say that. But it shouldn't automatically be your go-to that they all suck. The enti- If the entire starting lineup sucks then and they've always sucked, that's one thing. But J.D. Yeah. Bertrand and Jack Kaiser, to me, regressed in some areas this year. Sure. Now, like with Jack – in certain roles, Jack Kaiser is a really good football player. When they allow him to tack off the edge and play in the box, he's actually a really good football player. When he gets out in space, he has problems. So stop asking him to play in space because he's not long enough. It's not that he can't run with guys. He's just not long enough. So right. stop putting him there. Put somebody range, else there. Range comes from different ways, right? It's right. not just about foot speed. It's about that length. Like you right. can play outside your frame. Like well, I just want people to understand that it's not just about foot speed. It's because there's what it's times all about. Jackson position, 
But then the quarterback throws it out front, and he just doesn't have the, the length to get out there and get to it. Or they throw a seam exactly. route, and the guy goes up and catches it, and he's not long enough to make a play on it. Where Maris can make those plays with his length. And, and Maris at times will overcome being out of position and still make a play because of his length and athleticism. And so here's the thing. At what point in time do I stop blaming Jack Kaiser for getting beaten coverage? And I start saying, why are you putting him in this situation again where you know he struggles? Put him in the box. And if you don't think you can play in the box, then, then you can't play him. Or you make him a niche player, which they did a little bit later in the year, and he was more effective. Mm-hmm. Okay, that works. So those are the things that that kind of frustrate me a little bit, Ryan, is is we've kind of got in the thing where let's just yell at Maris and let's yell and say JD sucks and Jack sucks and put in the freshman. Okay, that would have been a disaster. Right. Because they would have made even more mistakes and their talent would have been negated even more because, again, there was a disconnect with what was being taught to what was being executed on Saturdays. And until that gets addressed, the linebacker play is going to not be as good. Now, the hope that I have is that Al Washington, Al, Al Golden and James Laronitis are now – it's kind of like what we said with Al Washington, right, who also didn't do a very good job last year. But it's more of a, okay, now you're going into year two. You know these players better. You know what they can do. Let's go. You now make the changes. Say, hey, what, did, what was I doing that was causing this? And make some changes. And it goes back to what we had said in a show recently, Ryan. They need to get back to fundamentals. Yes. They need to get back to basics and say, until we get these things down, block destruction, proper, you know, taking good angles to the football, tackling without grabbing a freaking face mask, please, Will Linebacker, stop tackling and grabbing face masks. What are you doing to allow that to happen? What are you doing that's causing these guys to be out of position? And fix that. Then build on the scheme. And if they do that, they'll be fine. And then the other part of that, too, is is if your system is so – now, this is where we'll talk about the younger players. And, and, and so what we're not, we're not saying the younger players shouldn't have played or don't play the young guys. It's more of a that doesn't fix anything is right. the point because of how it's being installed and coached. Putting the young guy – putting Jalen Sneed and Nolan Ziegler in doesn't fix anything. Jalen Sneed got burned up the seam on a play and got two personal fouls in the game he played. The person, one personal foul I thought was dumb, like mm-hmm. meaning like I didn't think they should have called it. Not that it was dumb on Jalen, just shouldn't have been called. I'll live with the occasional over-aggressive personal foul if it's not dirty. And I didn't think the one on the sideline that Jalen got was dirty. I just thought he was just being a little too aggressive. But the other mistakes he made were ones where you're like, why are you asking him to make that? Why are you asking him to play that route? Why you know, Put him in the field and say, see ball, get ball. That's what Jalen C should be doing. Have somebody else handle a double move or something like that, right? And we, But we saw that because he wasn't quite sure how to handle certain situations, which comes from two things. Number one, well, we already talked about number two, because you didn't play him enough during the regular season in some sort of niche role. Yep. And that's the other frustrating thing is if you, if you have athletes like Nolan Ziegler and Jalen Sneed, and you can't find some sort of role for them after Bo Bauer's been lost for the year and Prince Colley's dealing with concussion issues, and Maris is playing as bad as he did, and you still couldn't figure out a way to get them on the field because they couldn't execute your defense, then they're not the problem. I'm going to say it again. They're not the problem. You are. This is college football, not the NFL. And if you can't figure out a way to get those guys on the field some way, somehow, and you can, well, you know, got to put more weight on, blah, blah, blah. Jeremiah Wusu-Koromo was an All-American at 208 pounds as a linebacker. 
So stop, stop at, co- stop coming at me with all the, well, this guy needs to get bigger or whatever the case may be. It, it the coaching is the issue. The, it, the, the manner in which the scheme is installed and the demands they have on the linebackers is the problem. Now you can't just play two looks. There needs to be some ability to adjust and adapt, but there's too much of that going on. There's too much responsibility on their shoulders and they can't play. And until that gets fixed, Ryan, it doesn't matter if it's Jalen Sneed or Nolan Ziegler or J.D. Bertrand or Maris Lewifau or Jack Kaiser or Jaden Osbury or Drake Bowen or Preston Zinter or whoever else, right? It's it's going to be the same thing. This guy's just going to make more splash plays than that guy. That's all that's going to be different. But it's still going to be inconsistent, so not good enough. So that, to me, is going to be the biggest question I have. I don't even care right now who starts a linebacker in the spring or in fall. Because if that doesn't get fixed, then we're going to have a problem. Now, if they fix that, then that's when the younger players have a chance to compete. Because until mm-hmm. that gets fixed, they're going to have no chance to compete for a starting job. And you're going to end up seeing guys leave and all that other kind of stuff. So th- there's a lot of reasons why those things have to get fixed, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it's it's laid out perfectly, man. Like it, And also, it's incredibly frustrating moving forward, too, because – Again, I know people want to throw guys like Maris and JD under the bus and stuff. And like, I get it, man. If they're not playing well, I understand the frustration. All right. I understand it. But at the end of the day, you've recruited one of the best linebacker classes you've had in some time in 2022, getting a four man class of studs, right? Stud athletes. And then you followed that up with another incredible three man class in 2023. You can yell, replace this guy, replace that guy. Eventually, they're going to be out of excuses of why this guy isn't good or they're that guy isn't producing. They're already out of excuses for me. Exactly. They're, they're so out of excuses right now, in my yeah. opinion. And you're going to start to – and if the linebacker position does not get more productive and does not get better and does not get more thorough with understanding what is expected, you are going to lose players, right? You're going to lose players, and it's been one of the – biggest momentum builders that you've had over the last two recruiting cycles is how well you're recruiting the linebacker position. You are getting some outstanding athletes on the second level in such a volume too, that you can afford to put a junior toy Lamaca, Joshua Burnham at Viper, right? Like you can afford that because you've gotten so much depth, but at some point, at some point potential has to actualize into production. It has to happen. And I was bigger on Maris Loyfow than just about anyone coming into this season. You know, I thought he was going to be an incredible football player if he hit his ceiling. But at some point, that upside that we've been talking about for three years, four years, has to actualize. If it doesn't, right. then it doesn't matter anymore. Right. It doesn't. And it's not right. all on Maris, though. It's not all on this player or that player. It's about the people in the room with him every single day that are helping him see the game. Because, Brian, I mean, we could talk about not understanding scheme – but there is a lot of times this season where I'm just like, I think they've given up on the linebackers being able to read stuff. And they're just like, you know, you just blitz. And just it's blitz. Yeah. And why, it'll why, work out some place, but then that sure. couple times where they hit the wrong gap or team figures it out or, or whatever, right. they're going to burn you. And that's what USC did. USC found a way to get outside of it. Yes. And honestly, Notre Dame wasn't even that great of a blitzing team from the second level. No. They really weren't. So, no. I mean, if I'm blitzing J.D. Bertrand and Jack Kaiser a ton, why wouldn't I just blitz Jalen Sneed, right? Like right. Jalen Sneed can blitz through a B-gap if you tell him which gap to go through. Who's exactly. a, with all, I mean, look, here's the deal. Like two things can yeah. be true at once. What mm-hmm. Here's what's true. 
Jack Kaiser and JD Burchin are not slow. They're yes. not slow. They, they, they can run every bit plenty well enough to be good football players in a place like Notre Dame. No question. But I also still think Jalen Seed and Nolan Ziegler are better athletes, even better athletes, and they're longer athletes, right? I mean, so two things can be true at once. You can say, hey, this guy isn't struggling because of a lack of speed and still say, but this dude's even faster. This dude's even more athletic. And 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 to me, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at at this point in time is like you said, like you've you've got to give those guys a chance to go play, right? Because if you're if you're gonna like you said, like Maris he would blitz and just like run into people like let's literally like run right through people. So either a you're teaching him to do that or B you're allowing him to do that because he continues to do it and you don't do anything about it. And that's, that's my thing. That's because like, when you look at, at, at on offense, there was a, a, a few guys that people were calling to get benched in the first couple games, including us, the way that Jaden Thomas played in week two, I, yeah. I wouldn't start. I wouldn't have played him the next week. I was that disgusted with how he played. In week two, just not blocking the block in the back, just giving up that pick six by not fighting for the ball, all those kind of things. People were ready for Zeke Crow to get benched. And, and based on his level of play, I got it. I understood. He didn't play yeah. very well. And same thing with Josh Lug. By the middle of the year, however, they their play had gotten much better, especially Zeke and yeah. Jaden. But all of them got much better. Why? Good coaching, right? Yes. They, they said, hey, look, here's what we're going to do. And then eventually Tommy Reese figured out, Okay, here's where Jaden's at his best. And so as the year went on, he started getting more and more action in the slot where he's best. Where did the big mistake he made in the in the game against Marshall come from? So him playing in the boundary yes. as, as an outside guy. And th- so they say, okay, look, we can keep asking him to do things that he's not good at, or maybe things he's not as comfortable at, or we can say, Hey, look, let's let's put him in position to be successful. So people say, Well, why are you hard on the defensive coaches than the offensive coaches? Because the defensive coaches didn't do those things. We saw improvement from the offense in a lot of places. We saw Chancey Stuckey get the receivers to play much better fundamental football by the end of the year than they did at the beginning. He had a bunch of freaking sophomores. <laughs> and you're telling me a bunch of senior linebackers can't make any improvement, and then they start to improve, and then they fall off the cliff again against USC and in the bowl game. So at some point in time, you got to say, this isn't a J.D. Burcham problem because I've seen J.D. play better football than this. You know, this isn't a Jack Kaiser problem. Jack is who he is. And there's a role for Jack to be a good – I mean, when he was used to attack – I'm going to say it again, right? When he was used to attack, he might have been their best blitzing linebacker. Yeah. But he just wasn't used to do it as much as the other guys. Right. Okay, well, fix that. You know, but to your point, if, if Maris is just running right in the middle, then, then let Jalen sne- – you can't tell me you can't just line Jalen up and say, hey, J.D., tell him which gap to hit. <laughs> exactly. You know what yeah. I mean? Like – you can't be that hard, but when you when you ask so much from them, and what does that mean? We had a question for the mailbag, and we'll talk about it now from 99 Pros became one. How complex does defense have to be? Defense is always about attacking and pursuing. Why complicate it? To me, the layers of complexity compensate for a lack of ability. I don't think it's that. I don't think mm-hmm. it's that at all. I think it's just that in the NFL, there is a level of complexity needed to handle all the complexity of the modern pass game. Back in the day, Ryan, when it was just, you know, running out of 12 person, 21 personnel and the NFL was kind of a two receiver, two back kind of offense. Mm-hmm. It was a, hey, get really talented players. And there was a level of complexity, but it wasn't like it is today because the game was just on a, on a much more condensed field. And what I mean by that is 
you know, there was usually eight, nine guys kind of all right there. The tight end, the five linemen, the quarterback, two backs, and it was always kind of there, right? And you play the game differently that way. Well, now because there's so much space and there's so much movement and motion and all those type of things, there there's a level of you got to be pretty good pre-snap to make sure that, hey, if, if, if we're in two by two and, and we're going to have this check and they go to three by one, we've got to have a check for that. We've got to make sure people bounce. Otherwise, they're just going to leverage this all game with motion. So there has to be some level. You can't just make a call, line up, and do it no matter what. That's not really how football works. And if you try that, you're going to get beat a lot by good teams, you know? Especially, especially at the highest level. I mean, right. I would say this too, Brian. Like, when you're in the NFL and the parity is so much higher, right? You're playing against teams almost every week that if you have just a C game, you're probably going to lose, right? Like, you don't have to have a terrible game to lose a football game in the NFL. I mean, we see it every week where – in the regular season where a good team loses to a really bad team. Like it happens all the time. And the reason that it happens is because coaching matters so much at the NFL, right? Scheme matters scheme. so much. There you go. Scheme matters. There you go. Be- yes. Because it's the separator when, te- when teams are on a similar, similar, le- um, similar level of talent scheme can be the differentiator, right? Like that, that this team was, this game was called better on the offensive side of football so they won the football game. They were able to outscore against a defense that is almost equally as talented. In college, what is the what is the reason to overcomplicate a defense against Marshall, for instance, when you know right. as long as you line up and you read your keys correctly and you fly the football, you're more talented than them. Right. It's just a higher it's a higher difference of talents between a Notre Dame and a Marshall. Like that's just point blank period than if the Titans are playing the the Texans on a given week, even though the Texans aren't a very good football team, right? The scheme is the biggest separator on the NFL level because everyone's talented. They're all in the NFL for a reason. College football has 130 plus FBS teams and then a lot more FCS teams, right? And then division two and so on and so forth. There's a lot of teams, a lot more differentiation of talent from one team to the next, especially from a Notre Dame that is here and a Marshall, for instance. But why does a Marshall beat a Notre Dame? Well, Notre Dame didn't play well, but also you overcomplicated your your, right. your scheme a little bit. Like, why was that your game plan going into this game when you know at the end of the day your Jimmys and Joes are better than their Jimmys and Joes? Right. It is. Right. Against Ohio State, that matters, right? Against those teams, that really matters. But against the right. teams that you shouldn't be losing to, Usually it's because your scheme was overcomplicated for some reason. Right. Well, you, like per, to, to back up your example, right? Let's look at the worst teams in the NFL this year. You have the Houston Texans, worst team in the NFL. They beat the Jaguars and in Jacksonville, a playoff team, right? Chicago Bears, one of the worst teams in the NFL this year. They beat the San Francisco 49ers this year by nine, right? I mean, that's that's one of the best teams in, in the NFL, right? I mean, they just smashed – St. Louis or uh, Seattle with their backup quarterback, right? The Indianapolis Colts stunk this year. They were bad this year. They beat two playoff teams this year, the Chiefs and the Jaguars, right? Chiefs are pretty good. Notice the Chiefs didn't play this weekend. Why? It's called a bye week because they're really good. And we, we can kind of go down and do this dance all day, right? But here, here's the reason, because as you said, in the, in the NFL, the worst team in the NFL on any given Sunday can beat the best team in the NFL. I don't care how many times Vanderbilt and Alabama played this year. If they played each other 12 times, Alabama's going 12 and 0. I mean, it just, it, that's, that's not a knock. I don't care how good the coaches are at Vanderbilt right now. 
their roster just doesn't compete. Now that may change in two, three years as Clark Lee and his staff build better players and get better players. That's that, that may change, but I'm just telling you this year, they played 12 times, a couple times, maybe Vanderbilt plays them close, but Alabama wins every, every game because the talent differential is so great, but also it's, these are professionals. They can do more at the next level. You're talking about 18, 19, 20, 21 year old young men that just aren't prepared to handle that type of thing who have to go to class who have to you know do things that you know, you're only allowed X amount of time each week with these kids. It's not the case in the NFL. And so that's the adjustment that Coach Golden needs to make. And the hope is, is that in year two, he gets back to being that kind of guy. Because as you said, Ryan, there is ha- there, Georgia does not just line up and play on defense. They don't. There's there's the checks and adjustments and, and coverage looks and mixing things up and all that. But it's it's their players executed at a high level. So well, Georgia's players are a lot faster than other names. Well, the combine would say that that's not necessarily true the last few years, right? But what they do is they know where they're going and they fly to the ball. Yes. Now, have have there been times when Georgia's had guys that are more athletic than Notre Dame's players? Sure. But Notre Dame has had some guys that can flat out run too, right? Like Notre Dame doesn't have anybody on their roster this year, in my opinion, that runs like Roquan Smith. But you know what? Neither did most teams in college football this year. You know what I mean? So that's the whole thing is – but is that there, there's there's just a level of you got to know where you're going and you got to fly to the ball with reckless abandon. You know what I mean? And I should, that's probably not the right way to say it with just a controlled aggression because you got to play with proper angles. And like, that's all stuff that Georgia does. Like, this is where I've said before, people disrespect Georgia by just saying it's about talent because it's not just about talent. It talents a big role in it. They have talent. No one's disputing that. But they started like three freshmen this year yep. on defense. Malachi Stark started. They had a linebacker that started whose name escapes me right now. And then they had uh, the Williams kid at, line, at defensive line that, that started. Michael and Williams. at times, Bear Alexander also started this year a little bit for them. They had a lot of young kids that played this year. Those kids were able to just line up and play. Well, yeah, but they're really highly ranked players. So was Jalen Sneed, <laughs> Right. You're going to tell me that the kids at Georgia just run that much better than Jalen Cedar, Nolan Ziegler? I'm sitting here telling you right now, that's not the case. But Kirby said, I got to get my best players in the field. And so we can't do as much as we did last year. That's cool because I got to get my best guys in the field. And there were so many times this year with like Isaiah Foskey where you're like, why, why are they asking? Like, just let them freaking go after the quarterback. Like, you're, you're overthinking this. Just let them go play. Like, to your point about Marshall, it was a brilliant one, Ryan. Yep. Why are you doing all this stuff schematically? Just why are you switching your game plan up in the middle of the week and, and going from one thing to another in the middle of a week? For Mar- it's Marshall. Let your kids go play. And then guess what? Third and nine, they're backed up inside their own 10. You've got a fourth quarter lead. If you stop it right there, the Notre Dame offense is finally getting some momentum going with its run game. They had finally kind of moved Marshall a little bit on the previous series. Third and nine, you make a stop and a simple motion – had Notre Dame's linebackers like, what are we supposed to do? And they turn a, a freaking fullback or tight end loose for an easy completion on third nine. If they make that simple slide route stop right there, Notre Dame wins that game. Simple as that. But there was so much going through all of their heads that nobody knew who was supposed to pick up a motion guy. And that's the stuff you talk about and say there's there's now late in the year. We didn't see quite that many blown assignments, but you go look at the USC game. You're like, why is nobody covering that guy on third and one? Like, how does nobody know they're supposed to cover that guy? Who is supposed to be a linebacker? 
So the same guy that blew that coverage in a big moment in the second game of the year is the same guy that blew that coverage in the last game of the regular season. And you're like, but you still keep throwing them out there. You know, and that's the frustrating thing. So if that part of it gets better, and this is why I'm also encouraged, Ryan, because if Al Golden's a smart guy, very smart guy. James Laronitis is a smart guy. This was his first year really as a coach. He's going to get better. And I've heard and I've heard some things from players and parents and stuff like that 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 he's learning more and more and more how to communicate with the kids and how to talk to the kids and 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 there's that relationship is building and and yeah. he's he's going to be fine. Al Golden is a smart guy. Marcus Freeman is a smart guy. It's about whether or not they have the humility to look in the mirror and say the play of the linebackers issue was on me. Right. It's not JD's fault. It's not, hey, let's just go recruit better players. And if you do think that, then play the other players. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, but if the, the point is, they're smart guys that if they're able to have a little bit of humility, which probably is the hardest thing for coaches to have. I'm going to be completely honest. The hardest thing for me as a coach when I was young and, and was having success was humility. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to find that overly shocking in the chat, <laughs> right? But it's more of a, well, I know what I was teaching, and I know what I was teaching was right. It's not my fault they didn't execute it. And then I learned very quickly, yeah, it is. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, no, it is your fault. And I've said this before. If like a guy, if Maris was the only guy struggling this year, I'd have been like, look, he's just does He's the problem. The yeah, right. But it wasn't just him. He was the most egregious at it because he doesn't have the instincts that Jack and JD have. Like there were times this year, Ryan, where JD was going in the wrong direction. And he was just, he's so, he is really athletic. And I don't think people appreciate how athletic he is. He would just plant, redirect, and then go make a play. Like, oh, what a great call. And you're like, no, he was supposed to go here. And then he redirected and went and made a play. And you're like, okay, like that's, that's, that's just got to, that stuff's got to stop. Right. Yeah. So you're going into year two. You do have guys that really know the game. If they have some humility and say, hey, look, we're going to, we're going to get back to, to making this better. I'm excited about this group. We've had a lot of negativity here for about 40 minutes, just negative, (laughs) right? But the point is, I like the talent in the room. And if Marist isn't the player we thought he could be, okay, fine. Play Jalen, play Prince, play Nolan, play Jaden, play Drake. I don't care. Play somebody. If JD can't get the job done, hey, look, then move, move Junior back to Mike. Play Drake, play Jaden, play Nolan. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, there's no if, if Jack Kaiser can't cover in space, put Jalen out there, put Nolan out there, put Jaden Osbury out there, put a safety out. The point is, there's way too much talent at this position for this not to be a strength, in my opinion. I agree. And so it's that's why we're focusing so much in this show about the coaching because there is talent in the room, Ryan. And if they if the coaches can do their job, which is you take the talent. You teach them how to play, and then you point them in the right direction and say, now go do it, baby. And if they do that, then we're going to be singing a completely different tune about all golden this year, right? And and that's the that's the the thing that encourages you because he he is a smart guy. And people keep wanting to bring up Brian Van Gorder. They're, they're not in the same universe. Yeah. Al Golden knows defense. In, in, in a lot of ways, there's a lot of soundness to what he does. It's just the players can't execute it. And if I was an NFL coach, I'd like some of the things that Al Golden did this year. I would. Right. 
But the point is, is he, this isn't the NFL. Brian Van Gorder didn't know what he was doing. Uh, Brian Van Gorder is also an a-hole who didn't know what he was doing, who didn't have his own convictions as a coach, which is why he would go get a, a playbook from somebody else in the middle of a game to call a blitz. Okay. Al Gold knows the game and he's a good guy and he doesn't treat the kids poorly and doesn't talk about really nasty things with them, right? And in, in, in a manner to insult them in practice. That's not who he is. So we don't need to be talking about Brian Van Gorder. Okay? This isn't that. This defense was much better than anything Brian Van Gorder ever put on the field. What we're saying is it wasn't championship level. That's the difference. This is a top 25 to 30 defense this year. And every defensive metric around, Ryan, like that you can use from an efficiency and, you know, based on who you played standpoint, all that kind of stuff, this was a top 30 defense. Brandon Gordon never had a top 60 defense. So stop, right? But to but the point is now it can't be a top 30 defense next year. It's got to be top 15 defense next year. The talent's there at linebacker to get that done. It's just about whether or not you can make the changes you need to make and get the guys on the field that you need to get on the field. Because if you can't get Jalen Sneed and Prince Collie and Nolan Ziegler and, and maybe even one of the freshmen, I mean, Jaden Osbury, Drake Bowen, in some kind of role next year, then you're the problem. Yep. You're the problem. And, okay. and I'm encouraged, though, Ryan, because I do think these are smart guys. And I do think they're good men, the coaches. They're good guys. Yep. If they can have a little humility – I start getting excited again about linebacker play. I really do. No doubt. And I, I think there's a lot to be excited about and optimistic about. Cause like you said, Brian, I mean, the one thing about Al Golden is we knew that he hadn't called a defense in a long time. Right. We knew that. And I would imagine, I mean, just based upon true progression that he's going to be better in year two than he was in year one. Yeah. Like that's pretty basic, right? James Laurinaitis is going to be a better coach in year two than he was in year one. Maybe Marcus Freeman has a little bit more of a hand in the linebacker play. I don't know if that's a, that's what's going to happen, right? But all I know is they have the resources, and the resources are not only the strength staff. It's not only the staff of coaches that you have. It's also the simple fact that you have talent in the room, right? Like at the end of the day, you have guys that can play, guys that can run. I mean, we were talking about Drake Bowen during the All-American All Bowl week. It's like literally he, if he's the Mike linebacker for you in the future – you're going to go from six foot, 225, 230 pound JD Pertrand to six, two, 235, 240 pound Drake Bowen, right? Like there's an Who upgrade just in talent. As well. Yeah. Right. And there's a, there's an upgrade in talent that is coming with the last two recruiting classes. But at the end of the day, the coaching and development needs to be up to par or else that development is going to be wasted right. on, on the talent that is in the room. There's talent you, in the room. No excuses. You don't have length problems in the 2022 and 2023 recruiting classes. Jalen Steed's not tall but he's long. Mm-hmm. Nolan Ziegler's both. He's <laughs> tall and long, right? And and so you got to take advantage of that. Jaden Osbury's not real tall, but he's long. Drake and has I got good it. height, but he's long. Preston Zinter is 6'2", 6'2 and a half, maybe six. He's actually grown a little bit. He's about 6'3 yes. now and long. Can't use that. That's not an excuse anymore. And they can all run. Yeah. I'm going to say this right now, too. When you look at this this current recruiting class, there's years in the past, Notre Dame fans would have been a lot more excited about Preston Zinter as a football player. But because of how much talent they've landed the last two years, it's like we never hear about Preston Zinter. That's partly our fault because we determine yeah. what gets talked about. We don't talk enough about Preston Zinter. But you don't hear people asking about Preston Zinter either. Why? Exactly. Because of how many big-time players they've landed. But 
But I've talked to sources that say, don't be shocked if he's as good, if not better, than the other two guys. That's how good that Mark, and, and you know who pushed for Preston's entry? You know who really wanted Preston's entry on this team? It's Marcus Freeman. Yep. He saw he met Preston. So we had we I remember when this happened too, Ryan. You were pretty new. You had just kind of gotten hired here. And he went out and saw Preston's enter during the winter evaluation period. And he came back and pretty much told the staff, I want that kid. Like that kid has length, that kid can run, and he's got the kind of personality and attitude that I want. That kid can flat out play here. And they cooled very quickly after making that decision on guys like Phil Pachotti, who yes. I liked. I thought was a really yeah. good player, but Preston Zinter was their guy at the end right. of the day. That's a good point, too, because there were some other linebackers on the board that liked Notre Dame a lot that yes. they backed off of. I mean, quickly yeah. backed off of because of him. Uh, Jordan Hall's another one you mm-hmm. know, that, that they liked, but because they, they were going to get Jaden Osbury and Preston Zinter and guys like that, they were perfectly fine backing off of. So, yes, you were correct. And, I mean, they like him. Now, they could end up being wrong, right, right. on all these guys. But you, you look at his film, you're like, this kid can play. And he was at once a top 250 player that just there was no reason to keep ranking him high because there was no – there's nothing – there's no clicks that were going to come from. And he's from Massachusetts. Who cares? Yes. But he can yes. play. Yeah. So the point is, you know, look, and we – and I watched – I watched a, a full game where, Pre, where Drake Bowen, who's a stud – was on the field with Nolan Ziegler, and Nolan was a senior, and Drake was a junior, and there was no question who the best player on the field was that day, and it wasn't even close. It was Nolan Ziegler, who, yeah. I mean, he he picked off a bubble screen and ran it to the house. I that saw game. that highlight, yeah. And also had over 100 yards receiving in that game. You know what I mean? So you've got length, you've got athleticism, you've got talent, and you've got veterans, and you've got everything really this year there's no excuse talent there's no deficiencies on the roster and honestly they could afford to lose a guy and still be okay whether it's injury or transfer whatever the case may be and still be just fine because of that talent and we're not talking about you know the potential the potential of having like josh burnham and jordan patajo and junior to Amaka playing in some three three looks as technically linebackers True. So linebacker can be a strength, and that's what kind of gets me excited, Ryan, is when you really start looking at the talent. Like, boy, if they can, if the coaches can make some adjustments, and I'm hopeful they can, and I know they're capable of it. Boy, this group has got some guys that can Great. run, and we have seen this in the past. We have seen positions that were problems for Notre Dame one year, and even with the same guys, or maybe just one adjustment, all of a sudden next year come out and it's a strength. I mean, the personnel of the offensive line this year wasn't a whole lot different than what it was last year. Nope. It was basically, basically three or four of the same guys most of the year, right? And so, every guy that started, every guy that started a game for Notre Dame on the offensive line this year, started a game on the offensive line for Notre Dame the year before, and it was a significantly better group because they made some coaching changes. Now, not all coaching changes require a different person. Right. Sometimes it's just, hey, I need you to make some adjustments. We thought we could do this. Now you're in year two. Hey, we know your guys now better. Here's what you need to do. Sure. The only discouraging thing for me is I didn't feel like they did anything different in the bowl game. That was my only dis- discouraging thing. Is like got a whole month to prepare, and I feel like they kind of did the same stuff in the bowl game. Yeah. So that's my only little like, <laughs> you know. And and instead of playing some of the younger guys, just sort of like twin them with at different positions and stuff, and right, like, yeah, a little frustration. Yeah, a little frustration. it was. But the talent's there, 
I really yes. like the talent, the present and the future talent. And that's kind of another part of the show, Ryan, is, is we look at the talent that they have coming back. And we've talked a lot about the veterans. One of the big things for me is none of them played well enough to me to where anyone's guaranteed a starting job. I think the guy that, that right now would be hard to supplant is J.D. Bertrand. If somebody beats him out, great. That's how college football is supposed to be. But part of the reason that I really feel like it's important for Al Golden to make the necessary changes is because I think one of the things that hurt J.D. this year is because he did have to worry so much about what everybody else was doing. Right. And and because I think Maris had so many struggles, there was you could see him communicating to him a lot in games, like trying to get him lined up and stuff. If they can get the product around him better and maybe take a little bit off his plate, the Mike's always got to communicate and get everybody lined up, but maybe take a little off his plate. I think JD is is going to be a really impactful player for Notre Dame next year. And he was a much better player this year than fans give him credit for. I, I think he might be, I have to think about this, but he might be the guy that I think gets the least respect for what he does and gets the most, like for whatever reason, fans just kind of beat up on him and he stinks, he shouldn't play. And I'm like, I don't know what you're watching or what I'm missing. Because Outside of a couple games, I thought J.D. Bertrand was a really good football player. He just made those really noticeable mistakes that people would grab onto. Yeah. And Maris would make those too, but the difference is, is everything in between with J.D. was really good. That that wasn't true for Maris. Yeah. And I think that's what some people, I think, miss about J.D. But now it's up to the coaches to say, hey, put him in position where he's not making those mistakes. You know, where he's getting to the football sooner and those type of things. And I think I think you'll see a much better football player this year at Mike linebacker. I, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, because you've seen it, right? Like you've seen him play good football, even back to 2021. Like there were games where you're just like, that's the Mike linebacker next year, right? Like if he makes that move, that's a starting inside linebacker. And I think I agree. I think that he played a lot better, especially down the stretch than people are going to give him credit for. I think the second half of the year, especially, I think he played good football. I mean, there were a couple rough games early. There's no doubt, but to the, point of the beginning of this show if there's develop you want to see development throughout the season right if a guy just stays stagnant and just isn't very consistent or good the entirety of the year then i mean it almost becomes a little bit of a lost cause right but if a guy shows development and shows maturation that's what you're looking for and and folks i'm i'm not like this isn't smoke right like coming into the year there was a <laughs> There was an NFL draft service that had a draftable grade on JD Bertrand. Like he's not a like he's a good football player, man. It's just you need to you need to accentuate his strengths. Is the big he looks thing. like Joe Schmidt? That's what Notre Dame fans stick to. <laughs> he does. Look like he physically Schmidt. looks like Joe Schmidt. He's the same height, same, and so people just assume. And here's the other thing: JD wanted to be at Notre Dame so bad he was willing to be a walk on at first. It's wild. Yeah. Now he wasn't your traditional walk on. He wasn't like you know, Matt Salerno It's just, they wanted him. They didn't have enough room. Maris had agreed to the same thing to a degree. And then they ended up both getting scholarships, but he was going to be a scholarship guy as soon as one came available. So it's not your typical thing. And so I think a lot of people hold that against him. And there's just these assumptions. Oh, he's a short. I mean, we already had some clown in the show earlier saying, Oh, get the white linebackers off the field. They can't run. You're an idiot. Like, first of all, them being white has nothing to do with it. Right. But second of all, two of the two, they can all run. Yeah. Like that's the thing I say that the laziness about it. Now, does JD need to be more clean? Does he need to be a better tackler? Yes. But people act like he's this horrible tackler. Pro football mm -hmm. focus had him down for 10 missed tackles this year. 
That's it. I'd probably give a couple more than that. But the point is, is, is he's it's the stigma has been created. Yep. And now all you remember from a game is the one missed tackle. No doubt. And all you remember from a game is the time he hit the wrong hole. He had a bad run fit. And you ignore all the other. It's like Troy Pride was that way. Notre Dame fans would just always remember the, the one completion he gave up and not even realize he locked dudes down the entire rest of the game. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they do that. I've never understood that. But that's what JD is. He does not get the respect that he, he to me, deserves. And he's, Ugh. but he's got to play better, though. That's the thing, yeah. though. It, he was a good football player this year for the most part. He needs to be better because he needs to be a really good football player next year. And being a really good football player means being, as a Mike linebacker, means you have to be the most assignment correct dude on the field. And that's where JD's got to get to, in my opinion, next season. If, if you're going to scream about getting the white linebackers off the field, you're probably the same person that was upset that they didn't get Luke Keekley back in the day. Or wasn't right? upset. Like just, no, no, yeah. wasn't upset that they didn't get Ugh. Luke Keekley. God, God. It's just so but inconsistent, the, man. Back to so the point. Just, back to the yes, point. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. Yeah. He's that's consistency is the thing for me. Yeah, no doubt. He's got to be mean, more consistent. He's a good football player. He should not be run off. It's just like a. I mean, you mentioned Zeke Corral earlier, right? I'm, you remember there were some people in this chat that wanted to run off Aldrich Estime after he had a couple fumbles, sure. right? And, like, sure. understandably, again, something that he had to clean up, something he had to get better yeah. around. But at the end of the day, he is still be a valuable member of what you do as he a team. He got better. That's yeah. the thing that drives me nuts. He got better. Yeah. It's like once a guy struggles, okay, and, he sucks, bench him, never play him again. Like, that, and, you, and can't, I, you can't be that way. And in comparison, like I understand more the frustration with Maris because Maris was pretty not great the entire year, right? Like he didn't really show progress. JD did show progress. He got better. And that's what you want. If a guy has a struggle, you want him to get through it and then get better. And I think JD Bertrand did that this year. And there's times too where he's the guy by the ball on a big play that people think, well, he should, he missed it. No, it's like the, the long seam pad. I've had people say like the one where they put the, um, the receiver at, at Wildcat. And they threw mm-hmm. that pass. Yeah. And JD's coming over and he's the guy that looks like he got beat up the seam. No, he wasn't. He there was a linebacker there that should have run with the tight end, but JD it's like that play you pointed out in the bowl game with Drake, with Drake Bowen. Bowen. Yeah. Where it looks like Drake got beat on the play, but that wasn't his guy. He was recovering, trying to make up for somebody else who made a mistake. Yes. But when fans just see, well, he was there. And and we'll do this sometimes too. Like, cause you, you look, you got to make a, a, an assumption. Okay, this is what happened. And he, here's here's a mistake. So like there was a play in the Cotton Bowl where uh, Alohi Gilman got beat up the scene for a big play, and I'm like, you know, Alohi got beat. Well, then talking to a couple of people after the game, like, no, actually he was in the right position. The corner was supposed to squeeze over top of that, and he never did. And that's what happened on that play. And so you got to understand, kind of, just because a guy might have been the closest dude to the ball doesn't mean he was the one that made that mistake. Right. It just means he recognized that there was a mistake made and he hustled over there and, and wasn't able to make the play. But JD also will make some mistakes. He's just got to play cleaner football. And part of that to me is, is again, what he was asked to do. There was too much put on his plate. And, and not just because he can't handle it, because I don't think anybody could handle it. Now, he'll be right. able to handle it better in year two because he'll be in the system longer. But if you can combine him knowing the system more with just taking – and again, we're not talking about wiping the playbook out, Ryan. We're talking about maybe taking off like 10% of what you're doing right now. That's it. This isn't like this dramatic overall. This look, look, we'll need quite as many checks, right? You're making eight checks. Let's do five. You know what I mean? 
you've got nine different coverages. Let's do six, right? right? Like it's stuff like that. It's not like play cover one and do this every snap <laughs> and you're going to be great. Yeah, you're going to beat Tennessee State that way. But you're going to get killed by Ohio State doing it that way, right? right? You're going to get killed by USC doing it that way. So it, that's really what we're talking about. But you know, JD can play. To me, with Jack Kaiser, he's an interesting one. They've got to they've got to do a better job with him of finding a niche for him. Because I just feel like he's got the body of a rover to a degree, without the length, but he doesn't have the game of a rover, in my opinion. He plays more like an inside linebacker, to be completely honest with you. So part of me wonders if like if they do go to a three three five, and this is just our projection. Our conversation, just having a conversation, I kind of wonder, are you better off having him as the Sam and having Drake as the Mike? I mean, not Drake, uh, JD as the Mike, and then obviously your Vipers, that weak side guy, that would then stack backside. So technically yeah. he'd be the Will, but not a traditional Will. So sure. I, I kind of wonder, because now you're having Jack covering running backs and, and, and running seams with tight ends where he's got safety help. Now, all of a sudden, you've put Jack in a much better position to where his game is better suited, and then you rotate reps with other guys so that way you can limit him being exposed to some of those areas where he's not as good. If you're dead, I'm saying if you're dead set on starting him is what I'm talking about, yep. is, is my point. But even as part of a rotation, I think he's he's better suited as part of a rotation there than he is playing out in space. Okay. That's where he's been most effective this past year, in my opinion, Ryan. Well, that, that's why I look I'm, – I'm interested to see what the Viper position looks like just moving forward for Notre Dame, right? Because I feel like we were, were kind of stuck in that it's a linebacker, right? A de facto linebacker. But does that rover evolve into more of a safety hybrid, a guy that can kind of do – I think that's why you recruit Thomas Harper. Because yeah. let's think about this, Ryan. We did the schedule breakdown yesterday. Yep. So I, I want to cut you off because I don't want you to move on to something else. I want to focus on that right there because part of what your decision on that is going to be, who do you play? Yep. If you're a coach like, hey, I believe in being a 4-2-5 with five true DBs on the field, but you look at your schedule and you're like, okay, well, who do you play? Okay, we're playing 2011 Stanford, playing 2019 Wisconsin. We're playing, you know what I mean? Like, okay, you're playing a bunch of 11 or 21, 12 personnel teams running football. You're, you'd be an idiot to go to that alignment. Right. And so that's one of the things I liked about what Marcus Freeman did in the in the Peach Bowl a couple of years ago against Georgia is when Georgia would sub 12 personnel, he subbed four, three personnel almost every time. <laughs> it was just like, okay, because I understand what we need to do to compete against that personnel group. But when you look at the schedule this year and, and you look at, you know, you start off with Navy, it's a different animal. Central, you know, NC State, the way that they're going to play this year uh, with Robert and I, that's a, that's a nickel base defense game. Yep. Ohio State, for the most part, is a nickel-based defense game where your safeties have to be really good against the run because they are a balanced team usually. You you then go to Duke. That is a nickel game. Louisville, nickel game. USC, nickel game. Clemson, nickel game. Stanford, nickel game. I mean, almost every good team you play this year except for Pitt, in my opinion – is a team where your base defense, you're going to be better off being in a nickel, which is a big reason they went and got Thomas Harper. So I do think whether you're a 4-2-5 or a 3-3-5, I do think we're going to see more two linebacker alignments this year. I, I think that is 
something we're going to see, which is why, in my opinion, it wouldn't be bad to, to find a different role for Maris Lewifow. Have him be Bo Bauer on third down. That's what Maris needs to do. I'd be fine with it. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, hey, dude, just, you're just blitzing. You, you got one job. You're just blitzing. Now, I'm not saying I would necessarily start him there. I mean, I think there are some other guys might be able to do that job a little bit better. But to me, I mean, those are the things you look at, Ryan, and say, hey, you've got you've to be able to adjust to who you're playing. And who you're playing is, I don't know how much value having a 4-2-5 out of 4-3 personnel defense does for you this season. I mean, you tell me who the teams on the schedule are, that that's your best personnel group in their base offense. Navy? Pittsburgh? Pitt? Yeah. I mean, Wake's not that team. Wake's a nickel team. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't know enough about Tennessee State, but honestly, it shouldn't matter that game. Central Michigan's a base defense team, but are you really building your defense around what you need to do to sign, line up and beat up Central Michigan and Pitt? I don't think so. So, Especially because they're, they're – um, I think they're running back entered the draft anyway, right? That Lou Nichols kid, I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong about that. But, you're talking yeah, about the I kid mean, at Central Michigan? Central Michigan, yeah. yeah. The kid that led college football in Russian like two years ago yeah. or whatever. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, whether you look at it, man, I think that – and it makes – I don't know. I just think if that if that is the evolution of the defense, I think that that strengthens multiple positions in the defense because the I think the rover position right now is is getting a little lost with how you're playing it comparative to how the game is evolving Correct. on the college level, right? With so much more spread and space and the you know just the manufacturing of space, there's just so much more that is put on a rover's plate to be more of a nickel, be more right. of a safety, to be that guy that can legitimately play some man coverage, play against screens consistently, ro- be able to get in and out of his pedal, to to just redirect in space. All that stuff is just putting on a guy's plate so much more that it's not necessarily that Jack Kaiser can't be a successful football player in the right role. It's that he may not be the prototype for that position anymore. He can't play that position. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Because- because that's just how the game's moving, man. And that happens right. to a bunch of different players. It's and it's no push against Jack at all. It's a matter of fact of like in the NFL and college football and high school football, the game evolves, right? And players become different. Like the bit some big ends that there used to be playing in the NFL, for instance, some like 300 pound guys that they used to have on the edge, they're D tackles now. And that's not a bad thing. That's just right. how the game has evolved over time. You know, it's like Reggie right. White in today's game. He played mostly on the edge, but Reggie White today might be a dominant five tech and three tech in the the system today. Doesn't make him less valuable. Doesn't make him less of a great football player. Just makes the game different than what it was. And that's where they have to evolve. I mean, there are linebackers. If they are dead set on being a three linebacker team, there are linebackers that can play that role. Mm -hmm. Jack's not it. And that's not a knock on Jack. That's the thing. Hey, put him in position where he can be good. Because as I've said before, if you go back and look at some of the games this year, Jack Kaiser was a really good football player at times. He was really good against South Carolina. But what are they using him to do? Come off the edge, stuff inside, run, run blitz. They weren't putting him in space a ton, and he wasn't as good when he was in those situations, right? I mean, and those are those are the things you do. Like he just that's where Jack, that's where Jack has to play. You know, it's closer to the ball. That's just where he's most comfortable. He was really good against Navy. You know, really good against BYU. And and so you just look at some of these different things and say, boy, that guy's a better player when you use him inside as a rotation guy, not a full-time player. 
And I think those are the, those are going to be the keys and you've got to be able to find, if you, if you feel like you find a team that says, Hey, this team's a spread team, but they like to run the ball USC, Ohio state, then you're going to have to find your Jalen Sneed, your Nolan Ziegler, your guys like that. And Nolan Ziegler's up over 230 pounds. And I think you've, you've beefed him up past the point where he could play Rover. Now I just, I don't, I don't think you can play him there now. So now it comes down to Jalen Sneed and Jaden Osbury. Right. If you're going to have that guy. And if not, then, then you need to go to more of a, a f- true five DB look with a safety type there, which is what Thomas Harper is. At, at least do point. it more if nothing else. Right. Like, right. I mean, I, I just feel like to your point, Brian, like you're just sticking to that four, three personnel just almost exclusively most right. of the time. Right. And it's just like, at some point, you need to understand that things are changing a little bit. So we can still do our 4-3 stuff in spurts, but also we need to have that nickel ready to go, right? Like it needs to be in the playbook and it needs to be more of a rotation because at the end of the day, the game is becoming more sub than base at this point. Or I should say that the sub is becoming the base, right? right? Like that is happening and we need to evolve or else you get left behind. Right. Like for me, when I watched the USC game again, and I, and I watch Jack Kaiser, who played 19 snaps. And I look at Maris Luafau, who played 64 snaps. And I'm asking myself, why? Did he play 64 snaps in that game? Wow. Yeah. Why? Why Why put him there when he when he doesn't? You're asking, why not put Jack where they had Maris? I mean, that, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's just there was a little bit of a stubbornness there, to be honest with you, that I'm hoping comes out. It's hard to change your stripes in the middle of the season. It is. And so that's why you have hope for the – that's why I had hope that they would maybe make some adjustments in the bowl game, and they really didn't. And then you kind of have some hope that, you know, they played Jalen needs some more, and that's fine. That's great. He needs to play more. He's too talented not to play. But you, you didn't see anything from Nolan Ziegler. You didn't see anything from Josh Burnham. Burnham's uh, someone to understand. But – and look, you went out and you – you know, they move the ball on you pretty, pretty well. Second half, I thought the defense played a lot better Agreed. and, and, and shut South Carolina down. So, I mean, there's, there's hope there, there's optimism there, but th- this defense was good last year. It was, it was good last year, but if it's going to get to the point where it's really good, which is where it needs to be, linebacker play has to be better in my opinion. Good and I think it can be, cause there's a lot of talent there and, and, you know, look, and it's not, it, to me, I don't want them relying on Drake Bowen and Jaden Osbury and Preston Center as rookies. I want to see, I want to see, I'll say this if Nolan Ziegler, Jalen Sneed, and Prince Colley don't get legitimate opportunities to push for starting jobs this spring, then I'm 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 gonna not be a pleasant person when talking about the defensive staff in, in this offseason. I'm just telling you that right now. Because there's there's the only reason that that's true is because well they're just too young to handle my defense, and that's coaching, not players. So I'm very curious to see. Now, do I expect all of them to step in line up and start? I do not, but they better play, and at least there needs to be at least one starting change in the in there. And I don't know if it's Prince Collie. I don't know if that's necessarily the given because I think Prince Collie is a good football player. But what Prince has to show me this offseason, Ryan is that he he's not just an athlete. He's got to show me his instincts for the position. That's still something I I'm not quite certain of. Same thing with Jalen Steed. He's Jalen has instincts, but Jalen has to still learn the finer points of playing linebacker because he never really played it in high school. 
He was a right. quarterback and a running back and a defensive end and a I was gonna say, he, play, and he played on a, on ball a lot everywhere. He, <laughs> he lined up with his hand in the ground as a junior, playing off the it's edge. Crazy. You know, it's like crazy. and and because that's where his coach needed to play him. I mean, he just he he was there was such a big gap between him and everybody else on that team that he needed to put him there where wherever he could have the biggest impact. And so Jalen's still learning those things. And this is a big offseason for him. Like, hey, teach him how to play the game. Nolan Ziegler is way too long and way too athletic and way too instinctive of a football player, Ryan, to not be a guy that isn't in the mix next year. Forget next year, in March and April. Yep. Right? And and I would say the same thing with Prince. They all have a lot to prove, but they've got ability. And they've got to figure out a way to get them on there. Because you you also run the risk of like, well, what if Jalen Steed and and, and, and Prince Collier are two best linebackers? You're not real. Can you handle teams that want to run the football? Because Prince is mate is Prince Collie's listed at 220, I think. He's not 220. Yeah. He's like 210, 215 at, at most. Jalen's 215. Jalen's actually putting on good weight. Like he's he's bulked up. But I mean, you know, maybe he's your mic at some point in time down the road, depending on what you want to do. So it's just about get your young guys opportunities to go play because there's a lot of talent there, man. I do want to talk about Jalen Sneed for a second, Ryan, because this is an interesting conversation. This is the big name. I want to talk about the two sophomores that we were just talking about real quick. Mm -hmm. When I look at Jalen Sneed, I want to ask you first and foremost, Ryan, where do you want to see him getting the most playing time in the spring? And like, where, like kind of what role do you think he can thrive in? Because the God given tools that kid has are outstanding. It's just about, you got to find the right way to use him. Sure. And I don't know if the way that Al Golden used the linebackers last year, there's some things he does that I think Jaden will fit really well, but I feel like they have to maybe adjust a little bit in order to fit the players that they're going to have or should have next year. Yeah, I mean, with the thought that maybe if Notre Dame is going to really – if they're really going to test the waters of more of a three-three-five look and maybe that rover position becomes a little more of a – nickel centric position. I really think that, I mean, for me, the first thought is will linebacker with the explosiveness that he has right playing in pursuit. Like those things kind of jump off the page, but honestly, he would be a little bit of a, this might sound weird to some people, but he would be a little interchangeable to me as far as if I'm in a three, three stack, I would play him at will, but there would also be some moments in certain situations where I would play him as that Viper type, right? Where I can get him on the ball and coming off the edge a little bit at times. Is it going to be a full-time on, thing? Especially on third down. Absolutely. Yeah. Is it going to be a full-time thing? Absolutely not. It's not going to be because he's just not quite the body type that I need to be there spe- consistently. Like that's more of a Joshua Burns. He's not taking type. off the run. He's not taking off. He's not setting the edge for 30 snaps a game as a Viper. He doesn't have I, I, the body to do that. I'm not forcing Jalen Snead to play off contact on the front side of runs a ton, right? Like he has the length to take on contact, but he just isn't that type of player. He needs to play in pursuit. So if we're talking about a 3-3 alignment or even a 4-2-5 alignment, if we're playing more base nickel, I'm talking Will Linebacker at times, right? And if you're running more 4-3 personnel, then I'm going to get him off the edge a little bit and be able to work him in space. Just let him attack, man. At the end of the day, Will Linebackers to me – 
are guys that can make up for mistakes on the front side of runs with their ability to work in pursuits and can make plays and make guys right or make guys not wrong, I should say, technically, right? So he's a will linebacker to me that can do a little bit of stuff in space. So I would like to use move him around a ton, but I think base-wise, he's a will backer with his ability to work in pursuit. Let's say they go to a three three five. Yep. Where do you play him now? He's he's still the will for me in that three. What's three, a five. will in a three three five for you? So it's it's opposite of the viper. So the outside okay. linebacker, outside okay. linebacker, technically. So he's still technically. I, I view that as yeah. a Sam for me because he's a strong side guy at that point in time. Basically, he's a field guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So now in a in a four two when they walk bring that guy down so he's got to be somewhat of a versatile outside linebacker he's got to play will when they go f- to a four two but i think mm-hmm. he's got to be able to play some sam and i think that's a position the reason i bring that up is because yeah. whatever you call it will sam we're talking about the same thing sure yep that's a position where i can see Jalen being really good 100 percent. because yeah. now he's blitzing opposite the viper and yes. it's also when we actually saw jeremiah wusu koromoa in that role at times in 2020 yep like against north carolina there were times where Jer- Jeremiah was tucked inside and, mm-hmm. and I was just like, I, I remember that and, and blitzing off the edge and blitzing through the B gap. And he had one, he had one blitz up the middle in that game, right? He just exploded through the hole. And that's to me, the best comp you can find for Jalen. Jalen is a bigger version of Jeremiah Usukoromoa physically. Yeah. Now, does he have the game to play in space? I don't know. But if I'm going to play in a four-two-five with a four-three personnel, you have to put him at rover, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You have to because he's the only guy that can really do it now, in my opinion. I mean, who else on the team can you really say uh, can handle that role and all the? Because you mentioned there's a lot that goes into that role. Jack can handle some things about it. Sure. You know, Nolan's. I think they've they've beefed him up beyond him being a rover at this point in time. Maybe Who else Perry, the, but, but now yeah. you're throwing a true freshman out there to play right. that role against Ohio State and USC. I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, and he's still kind of raw technically. Yeah. So to me, do you find it depends? But that you got to figure out who you want to be this year as your base. Yeah. And and then then figure it out because if Jay, if you're going to be a three three five, then Jalen to me is an inside guy that could then bump out to Rover at times when you want to go because you can still go three three out of three four personnel basically. I mean, well, that's the reality you, of it. You know what the fun thing is about the 3-3 three, three with Jalen in it? And I know people are going to be like, that's sacrilegious or whatever because everyone hates the 3-3 three, three for other reasons, right? But uh, we talked a lot about when we were talking about safeties, I think last week, Brian, or the week before, I, I can't remember, about make, making that safety position a little more interchangeable, right? To kind of rotate and play a little more too high mm-hmm. and be able to rotate to both sides, to boundary or to the field. I think if you're running a 3-3, three, three, with Jalen Sneed's skill set, if he is the player opposite the Viper, let's say it's Joshua Burnham, for instance, right? Both those guys, I can get down on the line of scrimmage and blitz off the edge. I can do both those things. So it's a little more you of a You can do rotational... that with Jordan Patelho as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. right. Because well, he's played inside linebacker. He's played Rover. He like played, he's done yeah, those exactly. Things. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So having, yeah. having a little more of that interchangeableness, not yeah. in the sense that like I'm not going to take the Viper and then play him at that other spot. No, but in the what, sense what, of how you can rotate it. Right. But it's also yeah. too, Ryan is you, you blitz the Rover off the edge. You roll the sa- field safety down. You roll the boundary safety over top. You ro- roll the cornerback and then you drop the Rover or the Viper into a curl zone. Right. Well, Jordan Patelho and Josh Burnham and junior two Alamock are going to be able to handle that part of the job a lot better than, Isaiah Foskey. 
the one I've said, I think I've said this before. The one thing I'm going to give Al Golden a lot of credit for this year is they said, this is what Isaiah Foskey can do. We're not going to ask him. I mean, there was times where he would, you know, run with a wheel route against the running back, but that's a little different animal. They weren't asking him to line up in a stacked position like they did at times year before. He was a viper. He was a fourth. He was a four down defensive end, stand up defensive end that would occasionally run with a running back wheel route. That's that's in NFL, right? That, totally fine with that. that. That's not your personnel this year. And that's why I'm thinking that they're going to be a lot more multiple from a personnel standpoint. Now, that's the other thing I, I would like to see too, Ryan, is you can you can simplify your scheme a little bit, but get to it a lot of different ways. And I think there's merit to that as well because you do have so many different light type of linebackers. You know, well, we're going to do this this week or we're going to kind of have this role and we're going to do this and use this personnel that way. I think that's something that that needs to be thought through as well. And you can keep more players happy to yep. write with that designation if they know that, hey, I might not be the starter every single week, but against this team – I have my opportunity to shine and then to get my reps, right? So I think that it also makes more people happy as well. Agree. So Jalen Seed's a the guy they need to find a role for, and I'm a, I'm going to predict it right now. If they if they truly open up to open up the competition in the spring, truly open it up and let guys battle. Don't be shocked if Nolan Ziegler is the guy that emerges at at, at one of those inside spots, not Prince Collie. Yeah. Don't be surprised. Look, here's the thing about Prince Collie. He's a very athletic player, but he's not, he's 210 pounds, 215 pounds at the most, and he, he's not a super instinctive player. At least he hasn't been yet. This is a big spring for Prince. Yes. Big spring for Prince. Because he's got to show that you're not just an athlete, you're a football player now. Because he was another guy. A lot of guys coming behind you. Right. A lot of guys he was another guy you. that it's not necessarily his fault. It's He was like Jalen was used all – he was a – Thousand yard running back as a senior, he was almost a two thousand yard running back as a senior. He was a thousand yard receiver as a junior. Played off the edge, played some safety. He wasn't allowed. To, he wasn't a guy that not allowed to because it's not his high school coach's fault. They had to do whatever they could do to use him to make plays in high school. That's that's what they were doing. But he's still very new to the linebacker position, and he hasn't. He didn't make necessarily the, the growth this year. And then he's had some trouble at times staying on the field, you know, and, and being there, answering the bell every time. This is a big spring for him, Ryan, because if he doesn't if he doesn't take a step forward, not only is he not going to push for a starting job, he's going to get passed up. Exactly. And and the thing about Nolan Ziegler is, from what I see, he runs every bit as well as Prince Collie, but he does it in about two to three inches taller and about 20 pounds heavier. And that's why I think he's a guy that I think people aren't talking enough about because he wasn't a highly ranked recruit that could make a big splash. Him and Jalen Sneed could be the guys that end up making the biggest splash this year when it comes to pushing the veterans, in my opinion. I could definitely see that being the case. Can I ask you, with Nolan gaining so much weight, I know you said he's over like 230 pounds now. Do you think he could be a Mike down the line, or yes. is he a Will? Yeah, okay. I think, I think he can play Mike. Mike. Gotcha. In a modern offense, yes. Gotcha. Is he a Mike in the same way Manti Tail was? No. Sure. No. <laughs> is he a Mike in the way that, you know, you, you, you see from like, how you know Georgia doesn't have that big thumper at Mike anymore, mm. right? They don't have the, that guy anymore. Um, is he a, a could he be that a Mike in the in the more modern sense of a guy that can just fly downhill but also strong enough to take on some blocks in time? He'd have to be more of a niche Mike in 2023 just because he need, he would need a little bit more strength. But man, that kid can blitz, that kid can fly downhill, that kid can run. 
and yeah, I mean, I think he is a very much a modern, ideal modern linebacker because not only can he run, and we talked this summer about how much he impressed the coaches. He was always finishing first in the sprints and all that other kind of stuff. Yep. You know, but he does it in such a long package. I mean, he's at least 6'3". He's over 230 now. He's got long arms, and he can flat-out fly. He's a really good lacrosse player, got great feet. Uh, we've said this before. That kid had a really high ceiling. It's just about getting him used to He's another guy that had to learn how to play one position. He did played a bunch of different things in high school. And, and that's great for them down the road, but it, it doesn't necessarily lead to them being the most ready-to-play-as-true-freshman type of situations. And so – that's why I said we, we weren't beating down the bush for those guys to be starters this year, but they there, there should have been a role for print for Jalen. I'm fine with Nolan Ziegler redshirting this year. I'm fine with it. I think he's a guy that needs to be a five year guy potentially. Jalen's not going to be here for five years, so why even why even waste time redshirting him? It made no sense to me. But now you're in a different situation, and no, those guys need to get a chance to compete. But you know they they can run like Prince, but they're both bigger than he is. That's the reality right. of it. And that's yeah. where I think Prince is going to have to have a great spring if he's going to want to hang on. He really is. Yeah. And um, and then, you know, we haven't even talked about Drake Bowen and and uh, Jaden Osborne and Preston Zinter as far as that battle this spring because they're all on campus. Yes, they are. <laughs> and that's the thing. That's going to be great about the spring is if J.D. Bertrand and Maris Lufau and Jack Kaiser are your starting linebackers next year because in a real competition they just were better than those young guys – Great. They're going to be better this year then. But if they're the starters because they can handle the volume of scheme that you in checks and adjustments that you're putting on the linebackers, that's it's a problem. A failure. Yeah. It's a, fa- a failure, it's a Ryan, that's a great way of saying it. it's a failure. It's a failure of from a coaching standpoint. 100%. Yep. 100%. You've got to find that balance. You've got to find that balance. And if they can strike it, I think linebackers linebackers going to going to be effective, right? And and so that's where I'm very curious to see. Very I curious just to see if they're able to make the adjustments. I just don't think there could be a day off for linebackers this this mm-hmm. spring coming up, man. Like this winter too. Like every day those kids need to be pushed and they need to understand. Like, JD, you've been starting for a couple years now, man. You've done a good job. But like you need to play well or else you're not going to start, right. right? Like you need to be – everyone needs to be on notice. And it's right. not disrespect. It's not – because they did anything wrong from a personal perspective. It's just simply for Notre Dame to be at the level that they need to get to competition needs to be the main thing. And Marcus Freeman has consistently stressed competition, right? Best man will play. will make the other player better, all those types of things. And I believe in those things too, but you can't preach that if you it don't practice yes, it. Hundred percent. It can't just be this, Ryan. And I know exactly. I'm using our hand signal for you're muted for <laughs> for this, but it can't just be talk. You can't just yes. say it's about competition, and then not actually have a competition. Hundred percent. Right? Like you can't say, "Hey, we're all about competition," and then just ham Sam, hand Sam Hartman the starting quarterback job. He's got to earn it. He wants to yes. earn the respect of his teammates. He's got to earn that job, and and it goes everywhere. If Blake Fisher, I'm going to use him as an example because. This is not how Blake is. But let's just say Blake Fisher goes against who he is, and he just comes in, hey, I had a good year last year. I'm starter, and I'm just going to kind of go through the motions. Guess what? He may get beat out, right? Now, I don't expect that. But what what helps eliminate that odds? Tosh Baker coming out and having a great spring. Exactly. Right? And and then Blake's only, okay, I better bring it today. Now, I'm using Blake as an example because I've always praised him for how hard he works. And I don't think that's going to be an issue. But there's the other side of it. What if Blake is working his butt off and Tosh is still pushing him? 
that's going to make Blake an even better player. It's going to make Tosh even more a locked player in too. player. Tosh yeah. a better player too. Competition is good. Yep. And and you don't want guys, even competitive guys, feeling like uh, you you've got it made. You know, you you need they need to know that they've got to put in the work. And that's true for JD Bertrand. That's true for Cam Hart. That's true for Benjamin Morrison. If Benjamin Morrison can't just be like, oh, I got this one down. I'm going to go through the motions in the spring. Hey, Christian Gray's not doesn't give a crap that you were an All American last year. You know, Chance Tucker doesn't give a rip that you were an All American last year. Doesn't care. Ryan Barnes doesn't care. Chance Clarence Lewis doesn't care. You've got to earn that. That's in the past. Are you going to be a sophomore All American now? You know, or are you going to see a sophomore slump? And that was kind of the, the thing that hurt Notre Dame at, at receiver this year is you say, well, man, Lorenzo Styles had a sophomore slump. They shouldn't have played him. Who else are you going to play? Right. They didn't just a tight end. They had no depth of receiver. Then there's some injuries of receiver. It's like, who else are you going to play? You know, well, that's not an issue this year at, on deep, at linebacker. Nope. And not even close to being an issue this year at linebacker. Or wide receiver. Or wide receiver. Right. <laughs> or, but but linebackers, I mean, linebackers, work, there's no excuse just to play guys because they're veterans. Right. You play guys because they give you the best chance to win football games. But if that's true because of the complexity of your system, then again, that's a that's a coaching problem, not a player problem. And that's what I want to see. So I think, Ryan, that's going to do it for the linebacker portion of the show. We went a little bit of a different angle here today. We didn't talk as much about the players, more about the coaching, because honestly, at the end of the day, Ryan and I both believe that that's the thing that held the linebacker position back was coaching. And and I'm confident it's going to change next year. I am. Let me rephrase. I'm confident it can change. Now we need to see it because coaches are like players. You got to show me. You got to show me. And if they do, I think we're going to have a lot of fun watching these lineback- this linebacker position. We're going to have a lot more fun watching it next year than we did this year, especially you because you're a linebacker guy. So yeah. that'll make it a lot more fun. So that's going to do it for this portion of the show. We're going to have a mailbag coming up next, so get those mailbag questions in. Before we do that, folks, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. Also, thanks to all of you, we are now monetized on CFB Nation. So we're going to have uh, – Ryan, you want to go ahead and announce it? Can we talk about it now? Yeah, so man. one of the new so, shows we're going to launch at our, on CFB Nation is Ryan is going to start doing a weekly draft show. That is going to be on CFB Nation, and it's going to start probably in the next couple of weeks. We're not quite sure when it's going to launch. The first shows will be recorded as we kind of get it rocking and rolling, but eventually as we get into the summer, we'll, we'll start having some – we'll get closer to the draft, and then closer to the summer we'll have some live shows, and, and we'll do those different things. And so we're going to start doing some more things on CFB Nation on top of what we're already doing here. So we thank you all for that, but I'm looking forward to doing more stuff on that. I just recorded a show today with John Garcia, Jr., on the state of recruiting where we talked about the latest with Cormani McClain, Deuce Robinson and, and Nicholas Harbor. And then he talked about Jaden Rashada when I, when I left, cause I had to come here and do this show. And so a lot, lot going on there. The CFB all America guys had a great show yesterday that I'll get up here. Um, uh, well, actually it's on, it's on the podcast app, but I'll get it on YouTube here in a little bit later today as well. So definitely check out all of those. And of course, Ryan sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com.
Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, a company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid high amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself. With 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.